You may be seated. What an honor it is to be here at uh, RTTN with you guys this morning and our great appreciation, love, and respect to Bishop Kevin and Pastor Devin Wallace and uh, love them dearly. If we haven't met each, each other yet, meet me in the altar after service and we'll talk to one another. But uh, uh, Gretchen and I love this house, love this kingdom family, this covenant relationship that we have uh, with you guys is eternal. And it's very dear to our hearts. And I'm excited about what God is doing and what he's getting ready to do. And I uh, always love the, the expression of worship, faithfulness, generosity, and passion that is inside of this house. And that is uh, not solely due to uh, Pastors Kevin and Devin and the, and the ministry team here, but you. You, you. I saw uh, letters on a license plate some years ago. It's as cheesy as Wisconsin, but it said CH blank blank CH. And it says, What's missing? You are. And uh, I'm so happy you're not missing this morning that you're in the house, Lord. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I'll just tell you a few things. If we haven't met, my name is Greg DeVries, and we live in Scottsboro, Alabama. My lovely wife, Gretchen, and I, and our, we have 12 children. So those of you are a little slow. We're pro-life uh, there. Uh, somebody asked me one time, son, do you know what's causing that? I said, yes, sir, that's why we're having them. Do you know what caused, listen to me, do you know what causes the joy you have? Do you know what causes the healing that you have? Do you know what causes the, the hope that you have? Do you know what causes the, 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 the excitement of the eternal destina destination that you have? And that's why we do Jesus, amen? That's why we do Jesus. I have an incredible sense. I, I just, I can't move on from this, but you have a, a it's, it's a strange kink. It's, it's not even a kink. It's not just the chiropractor can't get it out, but you've got a catch in your neck. And I think there's about four or five people. You have a catch in your neck. It just won't loosen up and won't let go. I want you to stand where you are right now. Uh, you suffer a catch in your neck. One, two, three, four. Okay, there's a bunch of you. Okay. Hallelujah. Just want you to lift. If it's on the left side, of your neck, I want you to lift your left hand. Okay. It's on the right side. I want you to lift your right hand. Father, I'm asking now in agreement with heaven and the believers here on earth and especially those who are in need, I ask that you would heal the woundedness, that which is damaged, that which is injured, that which is trapped. I speak a release in healing over that freedom over these muscles tendons ligaments and I speak a release in Jesus name be glorified come on there you go there you go just start to thank him healing in Jesus name amen amen if you have scripture with you this morning, you can jump into the great gospel book of Luke. Dr. Luke just had a way of seeing things and recognizing things that otherwise aren't noticed. And Lord, we ask that your breath would be on the word this morning, that your spirit would take it places that would even be unbeknownst to us, and that you'd minister 
the sharpness and the power that the word carries and that it would accomplish and perform what you have purposed it to do. Lord, I pray for the church, those who have been here their whole life or those this is the beginning of a new relationship with you to get so hungry for the word that they get in the word until the word gets in them that they would love the truth that they would desire it honor it and respect it in Jesus name amen amen and the 12th verse of Luke chapter 5 I told someone back home that I was going to Tennessee this weekend to see two guys chat and cleave I've already seen cleave but now I'm happy to see chat but I believe that the Lord laid it upon my heart. I told Gretchen yesterday to, to come as a forerunner, uh, one who is coming to prepare the way. Uh, the forerunner has a place of intercession. I pray for your church quite often. But the, go before the face of the Lord to prepare the way of the Lord. To me, it's a sign of intercession. John the Baptist had spent time in the wilderness, but nobody knew about his time in the wilderness until the time of fullness came upon his life. But he was preparing the way for Jesus to come and to bring the open heaven. You know, while Jesus was being baptized, the, the heavens opened. Uh, while he was praying, the heavens were open. And I'm, I'm just speaking a new, a new season of an open heaven. It doesn't do anything lesser than the, the past ones it adds on to and, and comes forth. And as a forerunner, you come to prepare. And I believe that God wants to prepare so that when what does come, we will be able to sustain, be able to host, be able to give hospitality to the glory that is coming. It's not going to be a visitation. It's going to be a habitation. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, 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 a move of God that is sustained. That's going to come to this house and through the work of RTTN. So to be prepared uh, is to be ready for, to be able to tend to what is coming. But I also feel like the Lord has sent me with a, as a prophetic voice to literally say what is to come. What would it look like? What would it feel like? And I think we need to understand, and I'm sure in this house you do have a pretty good comprehension of this, is that the preached word is as prophetic as, if not more so than even a personal word. Uh, this is something that he is speaking to his bride as one. This is what is going to take place and happen in this house and, and in Athens and in uh, Cleveland and, and what's going to manifest in the midst of it. So in verse 12, it says, and it happened. I have never been interested in hanging around too long at the churches that are always talking about what did happen. They're always telling you about that. And uh, I don't, I love to read the word of God, but I don't read it as much about that it did happen. I read more about that it can happen. Because if it did happen, then it can happen. I also don't like spending a whole lot of time in churches that only talk about what's going to happen. I'm much more interested, Carolyn, in being in churches where it is happening, okay? 
And so we're in the now moment. What is happening and what can happen is happening and what's taking place. And, and the most re- important part of a message of a sermon is really not even the preacher or the message as much itself as it is the response. And your response determines your results. So you have the incredible responsibility of the results that we're going to have in this church, how you respond to the word of God, how you respond to the altar call, how you respond to the, to the moving of the Holy Spirit, how you respond to the call of worship. You literally have that responsibility. So if your results are low, don't look around you. Look within. Amen? So you want to be a part of a church of what's happening now. One of my favorite phrases in the Bible, and it happened. When he, speaking to Jesus, was in a certain city. I like that they leave out in this portion of scripture. Quite often they would talk about city because there was meaning to that city or what that city would mean to us under the meaning of that city. But in this situation, it says it's a certain city. Just certain cities. So it could happen in Chattanooga. It could happen in Cleveland. It could happen in Athens. It could happen in, it could happen in Knoxville. Or what's happening in this story could happen in any city that will ascertain what the word of God is saying. Do you really believe in healings? Do you really believe in, in purgings? Do you really believe in cleansings? Do you really believe in, in the power of God being present? Do you really believe in what the Bible said? It said it happened in a certain city. So we'll insert Chattanooga. So as it was, he's in a certain city that behold, I love the word behold. What you behold is what you become. What you look intently, what you gaze upon, what, what you put focus on, you will eventually become. If you don't believe me, go back to the magazine where you saw the outfit you're wearing. Go back to the television show and the characters and, and where did that saying and where did that pose and where to go back to the preacher that preached and you, you watch that preacher and you start to become what you behold. In the scripture, it gives us a few instructions to behold. Because what you behold is not just what you become, but what you behold is what's going to be coming. Because what you believe is what's going to manifest. So behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. A man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. If you're full of something, that something is in someone. So in this man is leprosy. It's not in his his hand. It's, It's not just in his hip. It's not, it's in, he's full of leprosy. But he saw Jesus. When he saw Jesus, he saw hope. When he saw Jesus, he saw a divine visitation. Actually, Jesus' life was a divine visitation to come to the earth. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that sons of men could become the sons of God. He started to see an open heaven walking amongst him. He saw a God who got on his level and was meeting him where he was at. So he could pick him up and take him to where he was destined. So he's having a divine encounter. He's having a supernatural a moment. He's having an awakening. He, he's, having a, he's having a revival with inside of himself. You see, that leprosy inside of him is eating him away. It's decaying. Is corrupting. It, it, is, it is destroying everything who he is. Leprosy 
is a wonderful example of what sin is in our lives today. It starts to decay. The way of sin is death. It starts to eat away. It starts to take away uh, from inside of you life. It's ruining you. It's destroying you. It's eating away at you. It's gnawing at you. It, it, it's, it's, it's consuming you and destroying you. And so in essence, this man was full of sin. Full of sin. Listen to me. Coming to this house will be people full of sin. I'm talking about so full of sin that some people would think that they were a lost cause. That's who Jesus came to seek and to save. And that's who Jesus came that, that he might destroy the works of the devil. I don't know about you. I'm not interested in just being known in heaven. I want to be known in hell. I want to be used of God to destroy the works of the devil. I want to be like the apostle Paul, that he was a man of his presence. He encountered the presence of God. He was a man of purpose. He had a calling on his life, but then he became a man of power and he could turn people from the power of Satan to the power of God. That is one of the callings upon this house is to literally convert, transform, deliver, set people free, but destroy the works of the devil. To fully purge somebody of a completely sinful life. This man was ate up with leprosy, but he saw Jesus. And this is how he responded. I want you to picture what it's going to look like. He responded, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face. It makes me think about Jesus when he was fighting for the eternity, for the finish line. It says in the garden, it says he went a little further. Is anybody here willing to go a little further than you are right now? Let's just lift your hand up as high as you can. As high as you can. As high as you can. Now lift it a little bit higher. Isn't that something? <laughs> there is still room for you to go further. RTTN, you have not met your best day yet. You have made space by making a place so more people can find a place to experience his grace. We have got to go further. We've got to press onward. It said that Jesus went further. He fell on his face. Have you ever seen those people in the race that go into the finish line in that last lunge and they throw themselves? Now listen, I'm from the 80s, y'all. We had asphalt. We didn't have this spongy track stuff going on. We had yards, not meters. Come on, somebody. And people would throw themselves, not even thinking about the scratch or the bruise, just the finish. Look at me. We're in a finishing anointing. We're in a finishing season. We are here to throw ourselves forward, to dedicate, commit, devote, Surrender. He went a little further, fell on his face. You think that'd be enough? And then he prayed. He was already praying. He took his prayer life to another level, to another dimension. This man full of leprosy is getting ready to go from, from being absolutely fully engulfed with sin in his life. He's getting ready to go through a transitional transformation. He throws himself forward. He's getting ready to come out of being sinful to being holy of being sick to being healed. 
Your response determines your results. He fell on his face. I truly believe that we need a falling forward revival. I love, we just got out of youth camp this week and some of the new teenagers are there. And they were walking out and said, they laid me down three times. <laughs> One boy got laid down and, and he picked up his phone later and said, oh, I was afraid it was going to be cracked. When they laid me down, I fell on it. I'm all about falling backwards, all about being slain in the spirit. When God's doing all about it. But it's time to go forward. It's time to advance. It's time to press in. So it says that he fell forward on his face. And that is also a sign of humility. He prostrated himself before the Lord. He laid himself down. It's the most humble. It's almost as if, as if the earthen vessel is going back to the dust that made it. He's saying, I'm throwing myself in a place of where you made me out of, of where you created me. And I need in me what you can make in me. He's asking the Lord to bring it back to life. The man is about dead. The man is about done. He's full of leprosy. He's an outcast, but he's casting himself in. I truly believe some of the most passionate worshipers haven't even worshiped yet. I truly believe some of the greatest preachers haven't even preached yet. I truly believe some of the greatest prophets haven't even prophesied yet. I truly believe some of the greatest intercessors have not even uttered a word of prayer yet. But they're coming. They're coming. We're calling them forth by calling them out. This is your day. This is your hour. And it said he implored him. It says he implored him. Oh, what does it mean to implore? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean explore. I wonder what kind of, wonder what kind of gifting he has. I wonder what kind of message he has. I wonder what kind of children's ministry they have. I wonder what kind of a men's ministry. They... See, we have a tendency to, to get around church and start to explore. What's in it for me? Well, what do I want to find there? But this man is at a place of imploring. It means to earnestly beg. Uh, we have to spend time. You need to understand this, this thing isn't as easy as you think uh, for us that, 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 that minister here. We have, to, we have to call these things out. We have to recognize these things. We have to invite you to the altar, remind you who we're calling the altar. Sometimes we have to point you out. You should have been here before we ever got here. <laughs> he saw Jesus. He didn't see a, a, see a guest minister coming in or a certain preacher showing up. He literally pressed in on his own. Matter of fact, I'm under this persuasion that if you're waiting for somebody to call it out and you already know that it needs to be called out, that's your responsibility. That's your responsibility. Move towards the Lord. So this man starts to implore Jesus. He's looking into Jesus. He's pressing into Jesus. And he said, Lord. He didn't say Savior. He didn't say healer. He didn't say good teacher or prophet. One of the prophets said, Lord. Two words in the English language that do not go together. Lord and no. As soon as you say no, he's still Lord, but he's not your Lord. If there's anything we need to quit, is one quitting and two is saying no to the Lord. Listen to me. We need a spirit of yes. 
We need a spirit of yes. Look at your neighbor and say yes. He said, Lord, if you are willing, he didn't put a demand on Jesus. He, he, he made a request to him. He presented an opportunity to him. He said, if you're willing, you can't make me well. Now, you've heard people correct you before when you say, if it's the Lord's will. But what's being left out is, you can make me well. His faith is solidified. You can make me well. When I came into the room, it was anything is possible. Nothing is impossible. That's the kind of faith that you and I need to be walking in in this hour and in this day, that nothing is impossible. All things are possible. You can do this. He said, you can make me clean. And notice the words, he said, you can make me clean. And then he put out his hand and touched him. Jesus reaches in and touches the leper. Uh, listen to me, friends. We, we cannot be afraid of sickness. Uh, as long as we're afraid of sickness, sickness does not have to be afraid of us. I'm trying to tell you there's coming a healing anointing to this house. We are not going to fear sickness. With the last epidemic came fear. And what was so bad about it is it allowed the fearful to be justified. There was a spiritual ploy behind it. We can't be afraid of death. Or death will never be afraid of us. He put out his hand. He reached out the very hand of God and he touched him. Jesus was not afraid to touch the leprosy. Healing comes out. What's in Jesus is now going into this man and he's healing the leprosy, but he's cleansing the man. Listen to what he said here. He touched, reached out and touched him with his hand and stretched it out and touched him. He said, I am willing, be cleansed, be cleansed. Notice what's happening here. It's what's on the inside that is being evident on the outside that there's something corrupting on the inside. He's losing all of his senses. He's losing all of his feeling. I mean, everything is just eating away at him. He's losing that life. And Jesus touches him and cleanses him, drives what was taken away from him out of him and restores him back to be, being who he really was made to be. He cleansed him. I truly believe this is the hour for the church to be cleansed. Now, nobody, not many people, I know there's a few, but not many people wake up and say, you know what I'm doing today? What? I'm, I'm going to do a cleanse. It's not something you really look forward to. But nevertheless, it's needed. He said, you can make me. He said, I'm willing to be cleansed. I honestly believe the Lord has sent me the message today to say to you, I'm willing. No matter how sinful you are, how worked up you are, how ate up you are, how corrupted you are. He's here to say, I'm willing. If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. There's a cleansing coming to the house. Immediately, the leprosy left him. Uh, notice the leprosy didn't... didn't uh, um, get thrown out, it left him. It responded to the authority of Jesus. It left him, he's, he's cleansed. 
And he charged him. He said, don't tell anybody this. Don't tell anybody this. He said, but still go to the, to the, to the priest and, and bring an offering for the cleansing that you have and let them see that you're cleansed. You see what Jesus is really saying to him? Now that you've been free from this leprosy, you still need to do righteously. It's kind of like the woman caught in adultery and Jesus said, where's your accusers? She said, I don't see any. He said, I don't accuse you either. He says, go and sin no more. Getting out of sin is not just an option to be able to go do sin again, then he'll get you out of it again. Shall we continue in sin that grace abounds? God forbid. Listen to me. You need to understand what is being stated this morning. God wants to bring a closure to some sin in some people's lives. It's in your every thought. It's in your every motive. It's, it's affecting your relationships. It's affecting what you can do and what you can't do. Today, he is saying to you, it doesn't matter how bad it is, how gross it is, how deep it is, how much effect it has, I can cleanse you today. Verse 15. However, the report of what Jesus did went around concerning him all the more. Jesus is not trying to self-promote. He's just fulfilling righteousness and he's fulfilling the, the, the sovereignty of God. And he's performing miracles, he's doing his ministry and he's not trying to promote, but yet it's spread more. His fame is increasing. Part of the, part of the, the call and part of the destiny in RTTN is to glorify, is to make Jesus famous. I'm telling you of things to come. I'm telling you that there'll be, there'll be witch doctors, that there will be uh, satanic ritual leaders, there will be uh, people just full and native with sin are going to be being set free and delivered. Right here in this house, through this minute. You're saying, well, this already happened. I told you we're not a part of a church of what has happened. We're not a church of what's just going to happen. We want to be a church where it is happening. Amen. So his fame is spreading all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear him. So they're pressing in to hear him. One man presses into Jesus. See, so often we don't connect the next thing with the one that began this thing, but that, that, that man of leprosy started this. He's leading this, this stage of the movement of God. And now they're pressing in to hear Jesus in their multitudes. I don't want you to be satisfied with being one of the multitudes. I don't want you to have the mindset that you're just one of the many. No, no, you, you, you're, you're what seemingly is an insignificant part of the body. Jesus said is the most important part of the body. I want you to understand that you're not just part of the multitudes. You see, a multitude is a large mass gathering of individuals who have no power or influence. Here in this house, you're being equipped, you're being trained, you're being ministered to, you're being reached so, and taught and trained so that you can have power and influence yourself. You're a people of power and a people of influence. They start to gather around to hear and to be healed. You come here to hear and to be healed. When I see the empty seats in the sanctuary, 
When I recognize that whatever building that I go in and whatever church service, all I see is somebody who could have gotten healed today that didn't get healed today. Somebody that there was a word for that that word didn't get said because they weren't present. They didn't come to hear and to be healed. I want to say, I don't know who I'm talking to specifically right now, but enough just wanting to hear. We need to start wanting to be healed too. By him of their infirmities. We will pray for any sickness in this building after this service. Any sickness in here. Because Jesus wants this to be a house of healing. Amen. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Notice what it says here with Jesus. Have you ever read the scripture where it says, and as often as you fast or as often as you pray, Jesus did it often. That was his lifestyle. It wasn't the, the yearly annual church-wide or the mid-year church-wide prayer. Uh, that's, that's seldom. And we should be a part of that. But you need to have a mindset to develop a fasted lifestyle in your life. It said Jesus would often, so it ties in his teaching of fasting and prayer, go into the wilderness because it was in the wilderness that he fasted and prayer. In the wilderness, Jesus conquered the very origin of sin. Matter of fact, in the wilderness, Jesus had a face-to-face, voice-to-voice encounter with the devil himself. It's amazing to me how many people blame so many things on the devil when really it was just the work of the flesh or it was the lust of the eyes or it was the pride of life. Sometimes we seed our own sin. Uh, sometimes we don't conquer our, our indulgence and our, our gluttony and, and our, our desire for a taste or a feel there. Jesus overcame the, the lust of the flesh. He overcame the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. But so often we blame everything on the devil. But here's the news. This is is a a breaking report for you. The devil is not omnipresent. No, you need to hear this. The devil is not omnipresent. He cannot be in Tibet and in Chattanooga on the same day. You say, well, I don't know. Oh, listen to me. Here's, Here's the problem. There's more Satan worship in the church than we realize. There's more Satan worship in Christianity than we realize. Because all Satan wants you to do is to worship him as if he were like God. And only God is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. And we think the devil knows everything we're praying. Friends, he can't know everything you're praying. Because he can't be there. You say, well, brother, it's demons and you know what I meant. Well, let me remind you of this. One third of the angels were cast out with Lucifer which made the demons, the angels are innumerable, but we know that there's only one third comparison to the two thirds of angels. Why do we not see more angels than we do demons? It's because they are catered to the lust of our flesh and the lust of our eyes and the pride of our life. But the devil is winning when we make him omniscient. When we make him omnipotent. Jesus defeated the devil. Now, I will say this. I showed up to a tent meeting some years ago in southern Alabama, uh, southern uh, somewhere, Indiana. (laughs) Trying to remember where I'm at now. 
And they sang that. They said, oh, wait to hear this new song. Oh, preacher, wait to hear this new song. And the whole tent, it was packed out. It was out. people standing outside. We have a great big God and an itty bitty devil. Oh, and they hoot and they hollered. And they sang it again. We have a great big God in it. And they had body movements to it and everything. When I approached the podium, I said, Mom, we all believe we have a great big God and itty bitty devil. Oh, they thought I got it. I said, may I ask you a question? How many of y'all have ever been beat up by the devil? Oh, they raised their hands. I said, an itty bitty devil beat you up? I will say this. He's not itty bitty, but he ain't God. He's not your God. Don't worship him like he's God. Greater is he that is in you than he or that or anything is in this world. Amen. So Jesus himself went off into the wilderness. Oh, what is a wilderness? I wrote down a definition. It's a track or region uncultivated and uninhabited by human beings, essentially undisturbed by human activity. In other words, Jesus got alone. Mark chapter one, verse 35, it says, Jesus got up a great while before day and went off into a solitude place and there he met with God. Friends, if God in the flesh needs to get up and meet with God in the spirit, I don't know how much more you and I need to establish a prayer life that is a serious prayer life, not a check off the list, but a fasted prayer life, amen? To me, the wilderness, if you took the ER out, you have wildness, When you go to the wilderness, it's the emergency room to get the wildness out of you. So why did Jesus go to the wilderness? There to meet with God, to get alone with God. Do you know why he went to the wilderness? Because that that temptation was coming on to be famous, to be well-known. He came to do the works of him who sent him, not so others would call upon him. Verse 17. Now it happened. Now it happened. One thing leads to another. Wherever Jesus is, things are happening. Look at your neighbor and say, something's happening. Now it happened on a certain day. It could be any day of the week. As he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Friends, I truly believe this is another thing that's going to occur specifically at this campus here is that people are going to be coming from other places, other cities, other regions and coming into and to hear the teaching and to hear the preaching, hear the ministry of the word. But be careful because some of them will become just to try to test, try to find fault, uh, try to, uh, to, to, to disrupt and to hold back what really needs to happen. You see, that's a religious spirit. And that's one that only lives within the confinements of what man has established can be done or can't be done in that time. But there they sat. And you may think that sometimes the Bible or, or Jesus or the church is a little hard on the religious people or harsh there. There's reason for that. In John chapter 3, where we find the great verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him is not perish, but, but have everlasting life. He didn't come to condemn But he came to save, amen? But Nicodemus said, one of the Pharisees, one of the rulers, came in the middle of the night, and this is what he said to Jesus. He said, we know 
It was collective. The rest of them, he just came out of a council meeting and he said, we know that you're from God. Because nobody could do what you do unless God was with them. So we know. So in other words, they know, but they're trying to prove them out. They didn't want him to be God. They didn't want him to be God's answer. They did not want the Messiah. They didn't want the deliverer. They had built their religion, their own kingdom, which they lived in. And there they sat. And listen to this next voice. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. There may be people seated here right now and, and, and watching and considering when this will be over and when it will be finished and how much longer does it need to go and, and he shouldn't have said this and, and I don't know about that scripture and I'm not sure about this thing or that thing. Listen to me. The power of the Lord is present to heal you and yet you don't know it. The Pharisees did not know the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Notice he cleansed the leper but he needed to heal the religious. He cleansed the leper from what was inside of him. He needed to heal the Pharisee from what he was inside of. He wants to take that yoke off of you. He wants to take those restraints off of you. You may sit in the back and go, I don't know why they're up there hopping. I don't know why they're spinning. I don't know why. Why are we clapping one more time? And you're saying those and judging and collecting your thoughts over these things here. He wants to bring you out of that so you can come into the power of the Lord and he can heal you. But we build a religion that makes it feel like we don't need to be forgiven anymore and we don't need to be healed anymore. And we learn to sit in it and we miss the power of the Lord. There's grandfathers to be. There's grandfathers that are, that could be speaking blessing from generation to generation, but because they remain in their religion, they wonder why the curse keeps coming from generation to generation. The power of the Lord can break those restraints off of you. There they sat, here we sit, and the power of the Lord is present to heal them. Oh, the love of God. Although they came to judge his son, all they came to trick him, although they came to test him. And listen, as they came to that place, yet God showed up saying, I want to heal them. I want to heal them. Is there anything possibly that's in you that needs to get out of you? Is there anything possibly that you're in that he needs to get you out of? Then behold, and notice when it talked about the Pharisees, it didn't say behold. It said behold about the leprosy getting cleansed. It says behold about the lame man getting, uh, the paralyzed man getting healed. But it did not say behold the Pharisees. And behold, men brought on a bed. And behold, men brought on a bed. A man who was paralyzed. Notice how Luke read it. He kind of gave us a, an, an indication of what happened. He claimed him as one who was paralyzed. He said, who was paralyzed, whom sought to bring in and to lay before him. There's something about being presented to Jesus. I beseech you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable act of worship, and be no longer conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Being conformed to this world could be as simple as that you already have it scheduled of what you're going to do. John chapter 3, verse 8 says, those who are born in the Spirit, they're like the wind. You don't know where they came from. You have no idea where they're going. If you already know where you came from and you have every knowledge of where you're going, you might be bound by religion. The power of the Lord is present to heal them. And they came. Listen to what they did. They brought and sought. I need the seekers to become the bringers. I need the seekers in this house who have been seeking God for healing, seeking God for deliverance, seeking God for open heavens, seeking God for revival. I need the seekers to become the bringers. They brought for what they sought. They were seeking a place where their friend could be healed. They were seeking a place where the paralysis could be broken off of his life, where the immobility, uh, where, the, where the restraints in his life, where the bondage in his life, where he could be freed. You know, these seats are going to be as empty as long as you don't bring anybody. Here's a little old saying. Sheep make sheep, not shepherds. We have a tendency for the shepherd to make the sheep. And as a sheep, we do, but it's sheep that make sheep. So they brought this man. Let me ask you a question. Who are you bringing this week? Who are you going to go out and get? Jesus came. He said, I came to seek and to save. These guys have sought a place, and they brought a person to that place, and, and they're, they're, in essence, imploring of Jesus. They're putting him at the feet of Jesus. And they get to the scenario, and they realize there's, there's no parking places. So they had to park the van way down the road and, and they had to get the guy out and, and carry him down there. And all along, the guy may have been saying, I don't know, guys, I don't know why you're doing this. I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm hungry. Oh no, I just had an accident, whatever it may be. And then they get here and they realize there, there's, there's no reserved seating for the guests. Not that there wasn't, there just isn't because the house is already packed. But is the house packed with seekers or Pharisees? Are you seeking or do you already see? The Pharisee already sees. The seeker's looking for what it hasn't seen. I ask you a question. Are you comparing this to church that you went to? Are you comparing this with what you think church should be? I ask you the question. Are you seeking for what only heaven has for you? So they brought people. They brought the man. They brought him into the service. But how did they get there? They went to another level. We need to go to another level of evangelism. We need to go to another level of outreach. We need to go to another level of compassion. We need to go to another level of, uh, of, of seeking and of saving. They broke the law. They broke the law. They broke the tradition. They, they, they couldn't get in the doorway that was made for man. So they went into the ceiling that was, that was blocking between heaven and earth. And they didn't wait for a breakthrough. They became the breakthrough. They became the breakers. I mentioned to your brother Cleve this morning. 
They ever get up and get ready to go to church and all hell breaks loose. The washer starts leaking. The fridge starts humming. You realize you ironed the wrong pants. Come on. And there are little disruptions, right? On your way, the car breaks down. Breakdowns precede breakthroughs. That's the enemy imitating what God is really going to operate in. And the enemy's trying to break you down because he knows that God's getting ready to break you through. I woke up some years ago and I had a trip to Southern California. It was on a Thursday. Gretchen, I have an agreement. If there's a call, we answer. We answer that call that takes precedence. I don't wake up late. I get to places early. I get to the airport early. I'm a people watcher. I've seen you. I've watched you. And I prayed for you. And so I got in my chair. I went and leaned over to kiss Gretchen goodbye. And a thought came to my mind that might be the, this might be the last time I ever kiss her goodbye. Got in my truck driving, going up the interstate. Car moved on my way. It was lightly raining. I accelerated a little, catching my gas pedal. I accelerated. I hydroplaned at 65 miles an hour, spun around, went over a ditch that was at least 10 feet deep through three lanes of traffic, two lanes of traffic on the other side of interstate rush hour and landed right up against the side of a mountain about that far away from the cutout of the mountain. First thought that came to my mind was, his grace never ceases to amaze me. Second thought that came to my mind was, I need more intercession in my life because if intercession fills the gap and I only have an inch between me and death, I need more intercession. Legit thought. Legit thought. Serious stuff. My third thought was, I got to get a later flight. So I got the later flight booked, went back home. Gretchen said, you know, when you kissed me, I thought that might be the last time we ever kiss." Now my mind's going into the natural. I'm like, why did she not pull me back in the bed and hug me and hold on to me and not let me go? She's as committed to the call as I am. Listen to me. I'm out preaching and doing. She's home praying and preparing. You're as important to the mission as Bishop Kevin and Pastor Devin are too. They believe that. You need to believe that. You're here at times when there are other places. Maintaining and developing the work that is being done. You're vital. So important. I wish I could tell you the whole story. Preached that night, a gangster from a guy who just quit hell's angels. I'm preaching in a surfboard shop. And I look through the bay door and I see a man and I start prophesying over this man. I have no idea who he is. They bring him in. He's weeping like a little baby. He had just left hell's angels was running for his life, got radically saved in the very same 24 hours that he got, got delivered there. Breakthrough in his life. Long story short, end up in Bakersfield, California and ended up at a, a preaching at a church, went over to a, a literal rock star's house. Rock star. I'm talking about rock star. And went to his house and we ministered to him and prayed for him and had a prophetic word for him and, and he got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Breakthrough. Breakdowns precede breakthrough. Don't get frustrated with your breakdown. It's kind of like this. That there's no temptation such as common to man. The God who is faithful will not make a way of escape. 
And it's something that you can bear. It literally says he will not let you be tempted with something you can't bear. So the next time you're tempted, see it as a badge of honor. Not as a weakness, but as a time for his strength to be made perfect. No more excuses, no more explanations. Here we go. Somebody can join me as a musician, if you would, please. They went up on the housetop. They dig it. They break it. They get inside. And and listen, into the midst, you need to get this, into the midst of Jesus. And notice the leper laid at his feet. They laid the paralyzed, paralyzed man at his feet. They went as high as they could to go as low as they could. The higher your worship, the greater your humility. But the Pharisees just sat there. I almost wonder for the mother house. I almost wonder if it's not the prostrating of our lives before Jesus that might bring this about. That we humble ourselves and not find any any sense of self-worth within ourselves other than what he's worth. Presenting ourselves before him. They laid him at his feet when he saw their faith. You got to get this. When he saw, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, watch this, of things not yet seen. You got to get this. What is it that you put your faith in? Is there you putting your faith in what you're hoping for? It has its place. But is there the possibility it's what he's hoping for? Is it the possibility what he's hoping for? Watch it this way. Do you keep your faith for what you want to see? Or is your faith possibly given to you for what he wants to see? Jesus wanted to see somebody break through the ceiling. Jesus was probably like you. That'd be so cool if somebody would just rip the roof off. And it would be so awesome if somebody bring me a a, a paralyzed man right now. I just want to see that kind of faith. We have the tendency that our faith is just used for what we hope for and what we want to see. When really that faith was a gift that was given from him. And he put it in us because of what he hopes for. He hopes for the greatest revival that has ever landed on the face of the earth to be initiated here. In this house, in your lives, he has a greater hope than we can even comprehend. So he sees, do you have a faith that can be seen? I remember years ago, had a neighbor, Gretchen and I were young, and houses very close to each other. And she's now deceased and gone on from this life. But she was kind of Gladys Crabtree, I think was that lady's name? You know, the, the neighbor that looked out and watched everything that you did. And if you did get in a conversation with her, you were in a conversation with her for a long time. And I went outside one day and I saw her and we had a little Aerostar van for our four or five little children and I got behind the van. One day I did the same thing. It became a routine to me. 
And I ducked behind the van and all of a sudden I said, I heard, what are you doing? I thought, oh Lord. And I turned around to talk to her and she wasn't there. And it was kind of one of those up here. He literally spoke to me audibly. What are you doing hiding from her? I think sometimes we have a routine in our life. And we think we're getting away with people. But we're not getting away with it with him. I'm here to tell you he's getting ready to break some routines. When he saw their faith, he sees you. Is it faith or is it foolishness that he sees? He said to him, when he saw their faith, he said to him, watch this. When he sees your faith, he will say to them that you have brought and sought. You are the access. You are the portal. You are the doorway. You are the threshold to somebody else's encounter with God. Now, you need to understand this. At the end of your tongue is somebody else's healing. At the end of your hand is somebody else's deliverance. At the end of you, you're carrying that. They carry that man and they put him in front of Jesus. He saw their faith and he didn't stop back and go, oh, way to go, guys. You are awesome. Guys, if you ever need somewhere to go, that's the place to go. No, 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 no. He saw their faith and immediately he speaks to the man. Speaks to the paralysis. And this is what he said. And he goes, man. He says, man, oh, man. I don't think he was saying, man. Everybody's like, yeah, that's a man. I think he was a little overcome. I think he was overjoyed. I think there was fulfillment. He's like, man, oh, man. Whoo, your sins are forgiven. He had been carrying this, friends. Jesus is carrying a burden right now. Yes, for you. But he's carrying a burden for the world to this lost and dying world outside of these doors. He's carrying a burden for the rest of Chattanooga. And all he's looking for is the opportunity, the moment for us to bring our friends or those that we care about, for us to use our faith, where he can go, oh man, this is the day. Yes, your sins are forgiven. Yes. Stoked, excited, fulfilled, accomplished, performed. He's in heaven waiting to do this stuff. He's a happening Jesus. And where Jesus is, things like this happen. You got a man cleansed of leprosy. You have a man healed of paralysis. You got a man who is forgiven of all of his sins. You got a God who is present to heal. He says, you're healed. And he says... What's more difficult? He said, listen, you need to be aware of this. This might bring the holy fear of God in some lives. He perceives your thoughts right now. He perceives, he knows what you're thinking. That'll make a little shiver go in you and kind of shake your head. Years ago, the Holy Spirit popped up and in my life and I, I was doing something. I threw this, what I wasn't, it was, it was sweets. I wasn't supposed to be eating sweets. I was on a fast and I threw them over on the floor. He said, Greg, I don't want you to get the sweets out of your reach. I want to get yourself out of reach of the sweets. But when he popped up, I straightened up. And, and I, tried to, I tried to act like, oh, what are you talking about? 
like as if the Holy Spirit didn't see it. I want you to know something. He hears everything. He sees everything. He knows everything. And he knows what you're thinking right now. He said, which one's easier? Say your sins are forgiven to you or just say rise up and walk. Which one's easier to take out what's inside of you or to take you out of what you're in? Uh, and neither one's more difficult than the other. I am the Lord with whom nothing is impossible. We have a tendency to think he can heal, but we don't have a tendency to think he can forgive. We have a tendency to think he can forgive, but he can't heal. It's the work of the cross. The cross offered both of those to us. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. As you stand to your feet, immediately he rose up before them. Could he be breaking paralysis off of you right now? Took up what he had been lying on. And departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. To be honest with you, it would be nothing short of a humongous joy and excitement if today we were able to see some strange things but again as a forerunner stating from a prophetic voice to this house that has a, a grand foundation of the apostolic and the prophetic and that's how God builds his church great foundation through pastors Kevin and Devin I'm here as a foreword, foreword, and foreword, that this is what's going to be happening in this house. Listen to me. The roof is getting ready to come off. The paralyzed are getting ready to walk. The sinner is getting cleansed. Are you ready? but it's got to begin in us. If you know that in your heart today, there's leprosy. You know in your heart today, there's sin that is eating away at you. You know that sin is in you and that there's toxic emotions and feelings thoughts and ideas inside of you you know that without a touch from Jesus if you were to die in your sins you wouldn't make it to heaven you know that you have backslidden so far that without the touch of Jesus you won't be able to get right with him but if you know that there's things eating away at the inside of you. There's a sin like leprosy. It's taken away your emotions, your feelings. You're numb to the gospel, to his presence. 
You can't grasp things. You lost your balance. If you know that's going on in your life right now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. See a few. Come on. Don't be shy. Keep it up for a second. There's sin eating away. Unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, hatred, lust. Raise your hand if you know that you have sin in your heart. I'm going to ask you to stop.